Hey, welcome to the TIC Midweek Podcast. So glad you're listening today. We're going through James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, and there is so much to go through. We're going to jump right in. Verse 1, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That word desire or passion uh, is a word that we get hedonism today. Uh, from, and it didn't have quite the same meaning, but it implied this intense pleasure or enjoyment. And so the reason there's fighting in the church is because people have these desires for their own pleasure that's at work. And verse two, it says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. So let's take that verse by or section by section. You desire, but do not have. So you kill. Now, some scholars think this is literal, that James is actually saying that the Christians are, are murdering one another, which is mind-blowingly um, difficult to comprehend that that would be happening in the church, but it's possible. Or it could be that he's referring to when Jesus said, equates anger with murder and we can kill someone's reputation. We can kill someone's relationships in the community with our words. And when we don't get what we want, it says you covet, you're jealous, you're envious, uh, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. And so uh, the problem with the teachers, as is, is we saw last week, is that they have selfish ambition and they've got this bitter zeal, this bitter envy. They want what other people have. They want power. They want control. They want influence. And they're not getting it. People are not lining up behind them with their plans and the direction that they think the church should go. They're not coming to their class or their connect group. And so they're angry and they're fighting others. Now, jealousy is the root cause of this. They're coveting what other people have. And Scott McKnight quotes an a early church leader who says this, My children, pay heed to me. Beware of the spirit of deceit and envy, for envy dominates the whole of man's mind and does not permit him to eat or drink or do anything good. Rather, it keeps prodding him to destroy the one he envies. Whenever the one who is envied flourishes, the envious one languishes. And I came to know that liberation from envy occurs through the fear of the Lord. From then on, he has compassion on the one whom he envied and his sympathetic feelings with those who love him. Thus, his envy ceases. So jealousy destroys. Uh, it, it makes us want to take what others have. And, and so as these church leaders are jealous, as the people in the church are jealous, they're quarreling, they're fighting, they're causing division because they want influence, they want power, they want people to follow them. And James is saying, look, you, you compare yourself to others, you covet what other people have, but the reason you don't have is because you don't ask God for it. God is the giver of all good gifts. But then verse 3, he says, when you ask, when you do pray, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And that word spend is the same word that the woman uh, who had bleeding for 12 years who Jesus healed, it says she spent all she had 
on uh, the doctors, and then the prodigal son who spent all that he had. It, this is that same where they're spending it. What they want is for themselves. It's not for the kingdom. It's not to serve others. It's not to build up the church. They just want things for their own comfort, for their own convenience, for their own pleasure. And God is not in the business of answering our prayers that are focused just on our own pleasures. Now, I, I want to be a little careful because God is a good father who does give us things for our pleasure, who does give us good gifts for our enjoyment. But his primary desire for us is that we would be kingdom-centered in our prayers and that we wouldn't just be focused on material possessions and, and this idea of God, give me this and give me that so people can see uh, how, how wealthy I am or how influential I am or I just want to be comfortable. No, 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 no. This is not the purpose of prayer. And so these teachers are frustrated. They're angry. They're fighting. They're causing division because they're not getting what they want and it, they're not praying for it. And even when they do pray for it, their heart is completely in the wrong place because it's all about them. It's all about their own pleasure. Now, um, and the reason their prayers are like that is because their heart is like that. We know from last week, it's their zeal, their ambition, their craving. Again, the desire for people to follow them, to have control, to have power. Um, And so, James needs to rebuke this, and he says it pretty strongly in verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That word adulterous reminds us of the Old Testament uh, because the prophets use this uh, symbol again and again where the people of God are supposed to be fully devoted to God like a wife is devoted to her husband. But it's like, you know, they're smiling and saying, God, here I am to worship you. But then they're going out of the house and, and they're meeting up with other men. It, it's not right. You can't worship idols and God. You, you can't be friends with the world and follow God. And, and friendship means a different thing. It, it doesn't mean you can't uh, be friendly or have uh, friends who are non-Christians. We need to be light in the world. But what it means to be friends with the world is to adopt the values and the priorities and the language of the world. And see, God's values and His priorities and His language is, is completely different than the values of the world. God values service. He values love. He he values people on the outside. He values sacrifice. But the world values accumulation. It values uh, prestige. It values problems. And so if I love the world, if I'm friends with the world, I'm going to be an enemy of God. And this is what the teachers are doing. They, uh, they want the things of the world. They want power. They want control. They want the influence. Uh, but God wants them to serve. And so if we choose to adopt the values of the world, the desires of the world, we're going to, become, we're going to find ourselves in a position at being an enemy of God. Verse 5 
Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? And and the bottom line here is God wants our full devotion. He wants our whole heart, and he wants the desires of our heart to be focused on him and his kingdom. Verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And it's not real clear what more grace is. In fact, that Greek word is, is like a, a great grace. And, and one scholar says it this way. He says it's, it's extraordinary grace. And here's the idea is James is hoping that the teachers, that the people who are fighting and quarreling are being convicted by the Holy Spirit, that they recognize that what they're doing is sin. And so he's telling them, God gives you grace. We have these desires. We're jealous of other people. We want these things. We want to spend what we get on our pleasures. And if we can recognize that that's there, that there's sin in that, we see that God can give us the grace to overcome. And God opposes the proud. If I think I don't need God, if I think I can do it on my own, God is actually going to oppose me. But if I humble myself before him, he will have favor on me. God's grace is bigger than the sin in my heart. Now, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves then to God. There's a couple things going on there. One is we need to obey God. We need to walk in obedience to what God has commanded us to do. The other thing we want to do is submit to the truth of the gospel. Submit to the truth that we are forgiven, that God loves us, that, that he has a good plan for us that he knows what is best. And so I submit in obedience. I submit in the way that I think and what I accept is what's true. I resist the devil. And that word for resist is an attack. When the devil attacks me with temptation to fight, to quarrel, to gossip, to slander, I say no to it. I resist him. And if I will resist him, he will leave me. Now, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart to you double-minded. Now, this is different language than before when he's like brothers and sisters. Now he's calling them sinners and double-minded. And what are sinners? Sinners are those who are not obeying God. Uh, Double-minded is your affection. You have affection for God, but you also have affection for the world, and so your loyalty is divided. He, James is saying, come near to God. Come near to God. The good news is here, we don't need to fix our heart before we come to God. If we will walk toward Him, God will come near to us, wash our hands. Uh, Hands were washed in the Old Testament uh, because they offered the sacrifice, and so it was a, a sign of, of purity, but it's not just the outward things that we want to purify. We actually want to purify our hearts, what's going on inside and our desires. And the way we do that is through repentance. We admit that we're wrong. We admit that we have envy going on in us. We admit that we want the power and the control. And, and we ask God to show us where our selfish ambition 
is. And James just keeps going because he wants this repentance to be real. He says, verse 9, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Now, he's not saying there's no room for laughter or joy in church. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So, he's not against joy or that we need to be constant constantly grieving. But what he's saying is that the situation is such that you need to recognize, you need to recognize your state before God. And this was for these teachers who had selfish ambition and this bitter zeal, and they're tearing each other apart. They're fighting and quarreling. He's saying, you're so far from what God wants. You're actually aligned with the world, not with God. So I want you uh, to mourn over this, lament over it, understand the judgment that will come if you continue on this path. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. And this is awesome news. This is great news for us. God shows favor to the humble. So if I will open my heart to the Lord, if I will admit where I am wrong, if I will confess that I am, there's part of me that wants my own pleasure. There's part of me that is, you know, I'm, I'm getting angry. I'm fighting. I'm saying words that I shouldn't do. I'm, I'm gossiping about people. Um, there is grace when we are humble before the Lord and He will lift us up. Verse 11, it says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Now, this is strong. He says, don't slander anyone. What is slander? It's falsely saying things about people. Anytime where in secret, we say that this person did this because, or this person is so angry, or this person never listens. Those types of phrases, that's slander. When we label people and it's not true, if it's unfair, uh, that is slander. And And James is saying, do not do that because here's what happens. You put yourself in a position where you are judging the law, but actually uh, what we're supposed to do is to do the law. We are doers of the law, not judgers of the law. We're not in a position where we can judge someone else. And so when we use our words to speak against someone, and this is how Scott McKnight and Craig Blomberg explain it, to accuse someone, to say something falsely, to dishonor them, uh, to be slander, to, slanderous, to say someone is dangerous, to say someone is unworthy, to gossip, to attack them, to criticize them behind their back, to speak evil against them, to backbite, to uh, malign them, to disparage them. And uh, these are the things that James is saying, do not do it. Because when you do these things, you are putting yourself above the law because you're judging someone else. Uh, we generally don't think of this, do we? we? We generally have these kind of conversations in secret with people that maybe we think we're safe, but James is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. This is wrong, and it's sin. And in verse 12, it says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy 
but who you, who are you to judge your neighbor? You know what? And if we're honest, I think we'd say that we do this. We get into a secret place, a secret room where we feel safe, uh, and we can speak against other people that we're annoyed with, that we're angry with, that we're jealous of. And if we're not careful, we, we tear them down. And James is saying, don't do this. Because when you do it, when you tear someone down, when you speak against them, or when you listen to someone else who's speaking against them, you're putting yourself in God's place. And you're getting out of the place where you belong, which is obedience to the law. And you're putting yourself in the position of judge. And that is the wrong place. This is such a tough place passage, and we really want to sit with it, and we want to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, where do I do this? Where do I have envy? Where do I speak against people? Where do I put myself in the position of judge rather than doer of the law? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, because if we humble ourselves before Him, He will raise us up. He will give us the grace we need, and we can ask, am I, am I praying for things with selfish motives. There's so much here. May God bless your connect groups as you talk through this.